Hi, this is Alina Kanner and Megan Barrington, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas, and we wanted to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Today's episode, we welcome Melissa Paris. Melissa is a New York City-based trainer with a passion for health and fitness, and a specialization in pre- and postnatal training. Melissa has a degree in nutrition and dietetics from Montclair State University. She is Strong First Kettlebell and Bodyweight Certified and is working towards her Iron Maiden, all while being a mother of two boys. Melissa is the founder of the FitForth, which is an online training system for pre- and post-pregnancy. It is exclusively available on the NeoU app. In today's episode, we chatted about her specific pregnancies with her two sons, training and recovery for pregnancy, and we touched on many other things such as ground force method and DNS. We had such a great time filming this episode with Melissa, and we know you're going to enjoy it just as much as we did. So welcome to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. We're so happy to have you on our show. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so happy to be here. So I heard about you just because you're known in Manhattan just for everything you've been doing. So you do a ton of pre-post-pregnancy training, and that's really why we invited you on. We have not talked to anybody about this topic yet, mm-hmm. and so let's kind of dive into it. Great. So, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your background. So interestingly enough, um, it's all connected. You know, I, for better or worse, my mom was pretty sick, like the majority of my life. So I really always had been fascinated by like, uh, you know, just health and nutrition and fitness and specifically women and what our bodies accomplish. Um, and fast forward a bit, uh, when I graduated from college, I actually wound up going into personal training. So I personal trained in college as my side hustle and I went to school for nutrition. And then um, I graduated and actually went to pharmaceutical sales for a bit. And then I realized it was not my passion at all. And then went back into personal training. And when I, when I had my own children, I really just became passionate and obsessed with helping women navigate the process. And um, whether it was actually training with somebody one-on-one or just passing along a referral to a friend who needed some postpartum self-care, I just really enjoy helping women. And I really help, I just like helping people rehab um, after, after they give birth. And I just find the whole thing, I fascinating. I never get tired of talking about it. I always want to hear about people's children and how they're feeling. And I like to be a resource. Cool. So what, what was your, what were your birth experiences like with your, how many kids do you have? And so I have two boys. Um, my older one is five, actually five and a half. My younger one is, he's going to be two in like two weeks. I can't believe it. I still think he's like my little baby. Um, (laughs) both my pregnancies were relatively easy. Um, My first one was super easy. I would have been pregnant with him forever. Um, But my labor and delivery was quite rough with him. And looking back, I think I was like a little bit hesitant to admit it because I thought that it would just take away from like the beauty of having a new baby. But it was tough. You know, I wound up in labor for a long time. I wound up pushing and getting to set 10 centimeters and still winding 
it was stuck and I wound up needing a C-section. And I think that rocked my world a bit, you know, thank God I was physically strong, but it definitely mentally rocked me a little bit because I wasn't prepared for it. And then fast forward, my second one, my pregnancy, it was good. I mean, I was a little bit slower with him because he was a bigger baby. So I feel like he took up all of my being, but I was able to have a vaginal birth with him. And that's why I think I'm like kind of a perfect person for these podcasts because I have a full spectrum idea of like both strength training and recovery from uh, both scenarios. Yeah. And isn't it kind of a thought that it was very difficult, if not impossible to have a vaginal birth after you'd have a C-section? Yeah, Um, there's some misinformation out there. I think it's hard for doctors because they're trained surgeons, number one and number two, like they see the worst case scenarios, mm -hmm. right? But what I did differently with the second one kind of help prepare with this information and like people kind of always giving me the negatives was I did so much more meditation. I did acupuncture. I just um, surrounded myself, not that I wasn't already surrounded with really positive people, just like really a, a really great support system and wasn't scared to ask for what I wanted and needed and advocated for myself just because I really did want to try for that VBAC. And um, you don't always get positive feedback when it comes to that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate to be with my best friend when she had her, she actually had her baby at home. Mm-hmm. She, she spent her entire pregnancy educating herself on how she could possibly have the most um, positive birth experience because it's, right. it's strange to me. Again, I haven't had kids, so I don't want to sound like I, I feel like I'm, it's out of my place to say this because I haven't had kids, but to me, it's like, it shouldn't be something that you have to go through. It should be something that your body is able to do. And so it's just another part of life that you should, it's a, an experience. Giving birth right. should be an experience that you should make as positive as possible. It's not like something that, you know, the doctors are, they're obviously there in emergent situations, which there are definitely those as well. Like it sounds like your first birth was, was a very challenging one, but I just think that it's, everyone is so scared and fearful, but I think part of that may be lack of education um, or lack of information, not necessarily even like proactive on the woman's part, but just like our society just like doesn't really educate us on our bodies, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And it has, you know, it's not even just childbirth. It's like everything, right? It's like your period. Finding the right female doctor and like, you know, it's, it's finding the people that have give you the right bedside manner. And we as women, really need to advocate for ourselves, whether you decide to have children or not, whether it comes to your birth process or not, whatever it is, you know, whether you want to be on the pill, not on the pill, you know, you really just, I think my biggest thing that I try to tell my clients is like, just educate yourself around whatever decision it is that you think you want. Like, and I listened to an interesting podcast today and this um, midwife put it really interesting. She was like, you know, make a wish list instead of a birth plan. Because things don't always go as planned, but like just have a wish list. And I think with going with this wish list, it's like, okay, let me, let me like put things down on there. And that could, that could be, okay, I would hope to work out for 30 out of the 40 weeks. Maybe it'll be 40, maybe it'll be 30, but like just have a wish list. Maybe not a plan because things don't always go as planned, but an idea of like what your blue sky would be. And yeah, I think as women, we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to do a lot of research and the information is out there. We do just have to dig for it. And um, to your other point, yeah, one of the books that I read when I was pregnant in between maybe was Birth Without Fear. And what I loved about that book, but it's just all really positive birth stories. Mm -hmm. And 
whether it is a C-section or a vaginal birth, just surround yourself with people that have positive experiences. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So I actually was a C-section baby. And then my sister was too. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What was the difference for you coming back from that? Like your recovery? Because I've heard my mom was – she really struggled after both of us. She said C-section was awful. And I've heard that C-section is way worse than vaginal birth. So – so, you did both, so. Yeah, so I find this to be so individualized. And I really didn't have, and I am i didn't have a bad recovery with my C-section. And I think when I went to the doctor after my C-section, I was just saying, like, I really wanted to try for a vaginal birth a second time. And the doctor was kind of pushing back on me. And she said to me, I know you're scared of the recovery. And I'm like, I'm actually not scared of the C-section recovery. Like I didn't have a bad recovery. I just wanted the other experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends. Um, I do hear for most people, it's a lot harder, right? It's major abdominal surgery. You cut through seven layers of fat tissue, abdominal wall, right? It's major. Um, which means then there needs to be a recovery process and education around lots of other things. Um, but I have to say my vaginal birth was a little bit tougher than my C-section when it comes to recovery, because I mean, you push a child out of your, the, you know, down the birth canal and out. And I didn't realize like I wouldn't be able to walk normally right away. Right. Like I stood up right afterwards and I like kind of, I kind of pulled him out, with the doctor and it was very cathartic and beautiful and empowering. Um, and, and everything afterwards, you know, hormones were flowing and oxytocin and all these things. Um, it was amazing. And then, but I was like, Oh, I'm a little sore down there, you know? (laughs) Um, so, you know, my recovery after it was just very different recoveries. I wouldn't say one was necessarily harder. They're harder in different ways. Yeah. So do you think that one reason that your C-section prob- maybe was not that difficult to recover from was because you were so fit before? I, I do. I didn't have, so I really do with my first, uh, I mean, I didn't gain a lot of weight with either of them. Um, I worked out, luckily I was working out and training clients right up until the end. Um, I do think that if you can to take some time off in the weeks leading up to the birth, because I think it's important to allow space to relax. Mm-hmm. but I, with that being said, it's hard, it's hard in our jobs because we only get paid if we see a client to really take many, many weeks off and then many weeks afterwards. But, um, yeah, I was able to, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it was able to work out, uh, right up until the end and see clients. And I felt really, really strong going into both labors. Um, And I definitely think that that helped with my recovery both times because you have to be insanely strong to endure, endure pregnancy, delivery and recovery. So what do you think it was about your first birth that didn't quite set you up for that? I mean, great question. I think that, um, one of the things is, you know, my water broke and they tell you to go, you know, you call the doctor and, you know, most doctors just say, come in right away. And I went to the hospital right away and I sat there for many hours and I didn't really progress. Um, so, you know, I was giving, given a lot of different things to help me get there. And, you know, one of the things is 
in New York and probably other places as well, but it, you know, they really want to, to get things progressing because they don't want your water be, to be broke for a long period of time with the risk of infection. Right. Um, so that's, and then with, with that being, you know, then once you're given a lot of different things, you can't really move around. Right. So it was yeah. a lot like harder. epidural things like yes, that. It was a okay. lot harder for my son to work his way down the birth canal, even though he weighed almost two pounds less than my, so he's a much smaller baby, much smaller baby than my second one. But with my second one, I was able to move around a lot more. Yeah. Um, just because I, I allowed some time to go to the hospital. I let things progress sort of on their own. Um, I was a lot more educated um, around what some of these, what, what it looks like and, you know, the drugs and um, how long these things can actually take. You know, the birth is a process. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would have just taken a little bit more time, but in, in retrospect, like I learned so much through both experiences that I think it's made me so much more valuable as a mom, a trainer, a colleague. Um, I can share my stories and I really get it because I experienced both. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's so unique. And I think that, I mean, honestly, so many women probably feel empowered just working with you, preparing for whatever they end up doing or, or working afterward because you have done both. So that's awesome. Really cool story. Thank you. I appreciate that. I want to go to that tangent that you mentioned before. We love tangents, by the way. <laughs> I, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm going down a rabbit hole. That's no. okay. We love those. We love it. We're um, all about it. We feed on it. That's okay. this is, that's how my brain functions. So, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So the, you talked about how it's kind of hard to be a trainer and, you know, yep. give birth and our clients rely on us and yep. I'm... I have the same profession where, uh, I I can't really take, especially during busy times of the year, you don't really want to take that much time off. How, how was that for you? And how are you able to manage that? So I feel like there's pros and cons to it, right? I feel like one of the most, the hardest things is you, I feel felt the need, um, to go back to work after like, you know, let's just say two months, right? And the baby's still very small, not sleeping through the night. If you're choosing to breastfeed, like you're, still waking up in the middle of the night, you're tired, you dehydrated, like your hormones are still off. You still have relaxant in your system. Um, you're not yourself. But, but the great thing about our job is that we're extremely flexible, right? So um, you can pick and choose. Maybe I, you know, with both of them, I didn't go back full time right away. But if I wanted to get out of the house, if I wanted to have some normal interaction, because for me, for the longest time, my work gives me purpose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the hardest thing for a new mom is that now you just, especially with the first one, you dove into this situation where you're like, well, now I'm a mom and what's going on here? Um, on top of all the other things I just mentioned. So, you know, I, I think I have to say I'm really grateful that this is what we do because although there's challenges, like, you know, we don't get paid maternity leave. Um, we don't get, you know, healthcare, we have to pay for it, but I feel that I'm able to be super flexible for my children. And I really value that now because I've built such a great client base that now I can really work 930 to 230. And That's like amazing. I get to drop off and pick up from school and the older one doesn't even know that I'm working. 
That's amazing. Yeah, right? Like that's amazing. That's, I mean, it's dream schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's tight. I've got no wiggle, wiggle room. You know what I mean? But, um, I have to say it, it's like, and you know, and as a mom, any moms listening out there would really understand this. Like your schedule changes all the time. Like what, what a three month old needs a five-year-old is completely different. You know, like three months old, they're not really doing anything yet. So mm-hmm. I feel like every season my schedule is changing depending on the kids activities. So I'm able to adjust clients around it. So they really get a lot of my time. I think sometimes people are like, how do you get any time to yourself? But it, the interesting thing is I feel happier because I see, get more of my kids than I ever have. Like, and meaning like when I first did this, I didn't know how I was going to work it out. And I was doing like eight to six and trying to like do bookend days, which we've all done as trainers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I somehow was able to work it out to cram it all in. And now my kids don't even know I'm gone most of the time. That's amazing. That was awesome. Yeah, it's good. So I'm, even though I seem crazy sometimes <laughs> or I'm like, oh, when was the last time? Like, you know, I got to work out, but then I didn't shower and like, <laughs> you know, but I'm actually inevitably happier because I'm kind of getting to do both. Right. Yeah. And you're completing your purpose. Yes. Also having a family and doing that aspect of your life too. So right. it's just good to see other females that can do that in this industry because it's hard to like foresee like my future in it, you right. know, but I, I can see it's doable. So it's kind of, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I definitely hustle. <laughs> I'm sure. You know what you I mean? You seem like it. You I seem like it. I definitely hustle. We That's admire it. We do too. So part yeah, of the New Yorker. Uh, yes, totally. Mentality. Yeah. Yeah, are you from New York? New Jersey, but I Okay. I can I, tell your accent. Yeah, I've been here, you know, I live I live in like Peter Cooper. So I've been it was my first apartment out of college and then we moved somewhere else. And then, you know, the more kids, the bigger the apartment. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Here we are. So you so, live in the city, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's a lot. So is most of your clientele, is it one-on-one or do you do any small group or are there any classes that you offer for people? Yeah, so or? I've ebbed and flowed over the years as we all have. Um, I found that group classes were just really challenging for me because, you know, um, especially with the type of clientele I have, the one-on-one is really best because everybody's um, situation is quite unique, especially with pre-postnatal. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I do have an online, um, I work with Neo U um, on Fifth yeah. Avenue and it's a streaming service. So I've created something called the Fit Fourth. So I'm, and we can dive into that, but that is a whole platform for me able to reach the mom that I just can't get to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so most of my, my bread and butter right now is one-on-one. I'm trying to flip it. So it's like 70% online and 30% one-on-one. Um, and then I'm also right now, I don't know if you want to know my colleague, you probably do, um, Lacey Lazoff. She's also SFG. Um, she trains at Performance House, but we're going to be launching some workshops. Cool. Um, one day workshops targeted towards women and just educating them around the importance of lifting. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. I'm yeah. totally going to follow her. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I, uh, the importance of lifting. It's a thing. Yeah. You For posted anyone, something today honestly, yeah. on you posted a squat and you said something about you found the key to aging. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm sure that um, kind of ruffled some feathers, but I'm sure, you know what I've learned in my, as I get older, like who cares? 
I'm learning that too. Like, who cares? Be you. Be brown. Be, you. be proud. Like, be bright. Who cares? Like, yeah. if yep. someone doesn't want to follow me because I like to lift weights, then they're not the right person for me. Right. Right. Agreed. All I know is that I'm 38. I've had two kids. And I feel better than I did when I was 28. And I didn't even feel bad at 28. I'm just saying I feel really great at 38. And it, most yeah. of it is because I've gotten smarter about my food. I've gotten smarter about my training. Like, I lift... I mean, I can't tell you the last time I did like traditional cardio. Yes, I run after my kids and whatnot. And the other thing yeah. is like, we need to sleep. Yeah, we do. Why do you think <laughs> we, there's been books and studies and specialists around like trying to get our kids to go to bed and sleep until a certain, for a certain amount of hours? Like we need it too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's becoming like athletes and trainers are starting to realize that and are- yeah starting to like capitalize on it. But now we have to get the general population to understand yeah. that. Right. Totally. Okay. For the benefit of our audience, what are some, so as far as when you're training pregnant or pre, pre-pregnancy or post-pregnancy clients, there are a lot of things that doctors may tell people when they're pregnant not to yep. do or to make sure they do. And um, could you maybe enlighten our audience on what some of those potential misconceptions could be or kind of how how they may vary from individual to individual. Yes. Yeah, so again, like this this population is quite interesting because everybody's so everything is so specific um to the person. But you know, one of the biggest ones that um is is uh tracking your heart rate, right? People come yeah. in and they still ask me that question about tracking <laughs> your heart rate. And I actually was trying to look for the study earlier. Um, but it's a very old study. It's not even a lot of people in the study and it was debunked and people still bring this up. Um, like 140, right? Yeah. The fact of the matter is I can't remember the last time I tracked my own heart rate. So how (laughs) would I know what the normal is if I got pregnant and then I'm tracking my heart rate for what? Like 140 for me might be nothing. You know, I could do the snatch test with the 18 in four minutes. You know, I was warming up with a 16 when I was pregnant and felt great. So I just feel like it, you, it's not a great indicator no. of what is healthy when you're pregnant. So the best indicator is paying attention to your body. Obviously, if your doctor told, if you have a major, if you're having a, you know, a high risk pregnancy, okay, you need to pay attention to your doctor. Maybe working out is not what you should be focusing on. Um, but heart rate is like a hot button for me um, because most people don't even know what their heart rate is pre-pregnancy. So yeah. it's not going to tell you anything during pregnancy. Um, the other thing that is a hot topic right now is if you hadn't worked out before, what they used to always be said is don't start a workout plan or don't do anything that you didn't do previously. But again, this is so person specific. Um, you know, if someone didn't, you, you definitely squatted before you were pregnant. So it's kind of like you could, should continue squatting or like, I can't even really give a great example, but you can implement, I guess my point is you can implement a workout program, mm-hmm. even if you weren't working out before. Um, it just has, it just depends on the person and the baseline of where they're at. But the best thing that you can do for your developing baby and for the genes of not only that baby, the next baby's generation mm-hmm. is to start doing healthy things. And part of them is get on a good workout routine. Yeah. 
It's never too late. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions too. Is like, you know, people were saying, you I can't do that because I wasn't doing that the, before. And I was like, well, that's not necessarily true. Like, let's take a look at what that movement is. Let's take a look at what that exercise is. Um, let's see what works for you. Yeah. That's really Excellent. good information for our listeners. Yeah. Like, but doing nothing is worse. Yeah. Like, always. Um, situation, in my opinion. Yeah. So kind of on this topic, but I guess after pregnancy, a lot of people tend to have some pelvic floor problems. And right. I have a couple of pregnant clients or, well, some that have mm-hmm. their babies at this point. And I've recommended them to go see a pel- pelvic yep. floor um, PT specialist so mm-hmm. that they can figure out what's going on down there. Um, it's very interesting because doctors, from what I've seen, do not say anything about this topic. Right. Um, they don't recommend... Or if they do recommend, I mean, I don't even know if it's totally covered by insurance half the time. Um, So what would you say to somebody who just had a baby who might be looking into some pelvic floor therapy? Yeah. So, okay, this is interesting. I, I especially now, because I, you know, I feel like I have a little bit more credibility that I've had two kids and um, I've gone to a couple of different pelvic floor people just to get a sense and can have people to refer people to. But even if you had a C-section, I recommend my moms who come to me after their six or seven week checkup, once they're quote unquote cleared to work out, I highly recommend them to also see a pelvic PT or OT just so that we have a better sense of what's going on in the inside so that we can better educate ourselves on the outside. Um, and the reason I say vaginal or C-section is because even even if you had a C-section, you've had the pressure of the baby's head downward for, you know, not downward, whatever, pressure of the baby for a period of time. So it's important to just know what's going on. Also, if you had a C-section, the PT or OT can educate you around scar work for your C-section scar, which will help with abdominal repairing, right? So any scar, whether it's been a sh- shoulder surgery or anything, you need to do scar work to create healthy tissue in that area. Dead tissue is not good tissue. You need that tissue moving and you need blood and oxygen flowing to that area. So I hope that answers your question. I highly recommend, um, I don't force it, but I highly recommend that all of my clients post baby at some point within the first year, hopefully before that, see somebody to just educate themselves. Again, it goes back to our whole point with women's health and advocating for ourselves, understanding what's going on down there. And just because you're leaking doesn't mean you necessarily, this is a really good point, women, just because you're leaking, if you are, doesn't mean you actually have weak pelvic floor muscles. Some of the same symptoms mask as having a tight pelvic floor. So you could be doing Kegels and you could actually be doing yourself a disservice. So it's just really important. And this goes back to the whole educating yourself. Just educate yourself about your downstairs. It's not scary. It doesn't have yeah. to be. So, um, and it's like, you know, that's why I always tell my clients, it's the base of your house. So just go once, go twice. And it, unfortunately, I think most of the time it's not covered, but um, at least one or one visit, two visits, just to have a snapshot of what, what it's like, you know, what, what, it, what's going on down there for, I'll give you a little example of my own experience with my second son. I tore a little on the right side. So when I started walking my older son to school, 
I started to get a little knee pain and I'm like, oh no, why am I getting weird knee pain? This was before I started like going back to working out. I had no desire to go back to working out yet. I was still on my maternity leave. All I was doing was walking. But because I wasn't releasing the scar tissue, I was getting knee pain because hello, it's all connected. So I went Mm -hmm. to the pelvic floor PT. She released some of the pressure and the scar. I was all, I was fine, you know, and often they can teach you how to do these things on your own. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. interesting. Right? And not so surprising now, at all, but very It's not surprising, but it's like things that people don't talk about, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. I'm right. fine. I'm fine. Like, Why is it so taboo? It's really unfortunate because it's most women. Well, actually, I actually don't know that statistic, but I would say many women are going to have babies at some right. point. Not all of them are interested in working out, but it's just, it's such a shame that it's something that we're like ashamed of, or we think is just like, oh, well, I had kids. Now I'm going to pee all the time when I laugh or when I, I jump on I the know, trampoline and I or I never even, I wasn't even working out when that happened. I was walking. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, all I was doing is walking my older one 20 minutes to school. And again, back to recovery, I also did that in increments. I didn't walk him 20 minutes there, walk 20 minutes back and go pick him up 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Like, I did one drop off and then I was like, oh, can't do that again. Like not quite there yet. And all I was doing is walking. I went from swinging big kettlebells to like not being able to walk because I felt sore. I mean, yeah. you put your body through trauma. People yes. don't realize it's that. major trauma. It's so traumatizing it's, to the body. It's just something to think about. But then, I, but, and also this is like such a passion of mine that I just, I'm like, people just need to give themselves the time to heal because then you can come back a million times stronger, right? Yeah. And the hardest thing to do is to slow down. You asked if one of these, one of the questions you sent to me was, you know, is recovery different? I think it was like some, is recovery different or easier for women that have been active? Sometimes it's harder to train the active mom because you can't slow her down. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you no, no, no. Like you need the time to slow down and heal because you don't want to give yourself a problem that you didn't already, that you didn't have. Right. So I don't want to scare anyone out there because there's so much that you can do at six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. And we can talk about that, but just allowing your, t- your, t- the time and space to heal is, is really important for the recovery process. And well, it takes time. It's like an injury. If you're an athlete and you're injured, you have to take time off and you slowly, you know, incrementally come back to your sport. It's not just like- don't have the resources that professional athletes have. We don't have chefs. We don't have- And on top of that, not only do we not have the resources, usually the postpartum mom is sleep deprived, dehydrated, and not getting the proper nutrition they need anyway. We're the New York City mom, so we're privy to a lot of this information, but not all moms have- that information, even if they can't afford it or not afford it, whatever. So there's a lot of different things going into this postpartum experience. Yeah. I have a question um, in regards to kettlebells, actually. So obviously when you're pregnant, I would say that everyone is pretty much stuck in uh, lumbar like hyperextension. Yes. Um, and- I mean, not every single person. I'm sure you know that person with the flat butt with like, yeah. but yeah, yes, well- you're right. More so than you were previously, Correct. Uh, or at least you're, you know, you're super uh, front heavy. So when, I don't know how long it was before you started being able to do like a kettlebell swing. Like, do, do you feel as if there were like weird patterns that you almost had because you'd spent nine months like being more and more extended and you obviously don't want to end a kettlebell swing in that open scissor position? Of course. Uh, so how did you work your way back into those kind of movements? 
So um, that's why I created the Fit Four. <laughs> so I start, I sort of, I don't know if you've got, I'm going to uh, go back to like how babies move. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the DNS. interesting thing, yep, yes. Love it. The interesting thing about moms and babies. So everybody, your abs have to accommodate space for the baby, right? So eventually they do separate, even if it's a little bit, to accommodate space for the baby to come down and out through the birth canal. Babies are also born with some ab separation, right? So Uh if you watch the way that babies move, they naturally close their abdominals Mm -hmm. by slowly and eventually crawling. But what do they do before they even get to crawling? They're on their stomachs, kicking their feet. They're pushing their hands against the floor. You know what we call tummy time. They're eventually rolling all that rolling back and forth Mm -hmm. is closing their rectus abdominals, making them really tight. And then eventually they're crawling and doing these things. So I incorporate a lot of those types of movements into my fit force. It's not as sciencey. I'm, you know, I'm appealing towards the masses, yeah. but at least I feel like I'm giving some people a foundation before they start going back to their normal workout routine. I love that. I love um, DNS. Yeah, DNS, um, ground force method, all these mm. things, like really connecting your body to the ground. That's what babies do. And the other thing that babies do so well is breathe. Mm-hmm. right? So your diaphragm and your pelvic floor work together, right? So you really, what I try to get people doing all throughout pregnancy, but postpartum is really connecting back to your breath. Cause to your point, you're not going to be able to do any movement, especially a kettlebell movement if you're not breathing properly. Mm-hmm. Right? So I really try to get people breathing properly, really getting back into those patterns. Um, connecting back with their body and getting full range of motion in their diaphragm and pelvic floor. Um, and just connecting back to that. Uh, and you don't have to be with a trainer one-on-one to be able to do that. Uh, I do a lot of like breathing stuff on the fit fourth. Um, I can also send you guys some links for listeners to click on and easily, um, understand what a 360 breath is. Yeah. Um, perfect. Breathing into your low abs, low back, into your ribs. Um, and again, it is really hard for the postpartum mom, and it's hard for the person who, again, sleep deprived, lack of hydration. You know, maybe not, maybe not eating properly, stressed out because maybe the baby's crying. So, um, yeah, it took me a long time to want to even do a kettlebell swing, right? So, yeah. I really started off probably with some very light deadlifts, which, again, I even though. Um, I don't load my moms right away. I do try to educate them around how to lift things in general because they're going to lift it anyway. Their baby. They're going to yeah. lift the baby. They're going to lift the car seat. They're going to go lift shopping bags. So yeah. even though I'm not loading them, I try to teach them early on how to lift these things properly and how to incorporate their breath because it's going to happen. It's it's real life. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 100%. I think that goes back to, yes, moms, but everyone. Like, yeah. Totally. People get hurt more from doing that life stuff than than in the gym. So preparing them for that. Focused. You're like, focused on what you're doing. Your trainer is most likely, you know, if you have a trainer, they're focused on what you're doing. Of course. It's not really the gym. It's It's the external environment. Yeah. Yes. So we're definitely going to put the links, anything you send me, I'll put mm-hmm. in the show notes and we'll put the fit forth. Do you have, uh, for maybe people in New York, um, 
who are after pregnancy and would like to see a pelvic floor PT, do you have any recommendations yeah, I have that a we could? People I can put in a um, in that as well. Okay, great. Awesome. And then um, we have a couple more questions, but one I guess that I wanted to ask, especially since you're working towards being more online, mm-hmm. um, virtual focused, what is your platform that you're doing that through? Um, would it just be through your website or? Yeah, how, right now. Right now I'm working uh, on this stuff with NeoU and I'm just trying to continually upload information um, on my own Instagram accounts. So I have a Fitforth Instagram account and I also have my uh, Melissa Paris Fitness Instagram account. And on the actual feed, you'll see a lot of me doing stuff with weights right now because that's where I'm personally at. I'm always giving links and education to my pre and postnatal clients. I love referring and helping people out um, in any way that I can when it comes to these things because no one should feel lost. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have anything that you're reading currently that could benefit, well, trainers that are actually training uh, pregnant people post-pregnancy? I always recommend this book because it's short. It has a lot of scientific studies in it. it's called Exercising Through Your Pregnancy with Dr. James Clapp. Uh, you can order it on Amazon, most likely. Um, but I always, there's just like some studies in there. It really sort of hammer home that what you're doing is good. Clients should be moving. Clients should still continue exercising. It'll help you reassure your clients, especially if they're science people or even just factual people and want to know, like, why should I be doing this? But why should I be doing this? Um, so Exercising Through Your Pregnancy with Dr. James Clapp is a good one. Amazing. I also like Birth Without Fear. um, I have that book. Yeah. For the people that, I mean, listen, that's a legit thing. People are scared of pain, right? So we want to get people out of that mindset and just shifted towards, it could be cathartic. It could be empowering. Um, Just start having different visuals. I mean, sports players do it, right? You don't envision yourself not making the field goal. You envision yourself making the field goal, right? Yes. So that's, that's what, that's what we have to shift, shift the mindset to. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Cool. Love it. So, okay. Obviously I'm going to assume that you do something with kettlebells every day, but what yep. is something that you personally do every day to move your mind and move your body? Um, yeah. So I work out with kettlebells right now. I'm doing the barbell thing, but I generally work out with kettlebells three to four days a week. Um, and I walk everywhere. Well, you're in Manhattan, so you don't have much of a choice. I walk everywhere with my kids. Um, so although I don't do traditional cardio, as I mentioned earlier, um, I've really learned to save my energy for certain things. (laughs) And, uh, I also meditate. So I not really great at, um, doing my own. So I do some guided stuff, but yeah, meditation for me has been really really helpful. So if people want to work with you one-on-one, where can people find you? The app, we're going to, we're going to put the fit forth in there so they can definitely find you on that. I'm really active on Instagram. So it's easy to DM me. I always answer. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you guys yes, are great. This, this was amazing. Fantastic. I can't wait to meet you in person. Yes. We're going to totally do in. that. I want to meet you too. Okay. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Continue listening as we release new episodes weekly on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
If you have any topics you'd like us to cover, please reach out to us on Instagram at moveyourbb. Thanks for your support and for listening to our podcast.